Genre. story. I'm Jodorowsky, and this week we're discussing Folke Nilsson and Isaac Bjorvik in the movie Kitchen Stories, and I apologize if I have slightly mispronounced either of those Norwegian names. Joining us for the discussion <laughs> is Rachel Armstrong. Welcome, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and also for suggesting a, a movie that I was completely unfamiliar with. And You're welcome. I found delightful <laughs> and charming as I watched Kitchen Stories. Um, so how I came to this work is that you suggested it and I was like, I've never heard of it. I'm, but I, but you, the, the one sentence summary, uh, that you told me, which I believe was, um, a researcher is trying to study the habits of single men in Norway in their kitchens. And so he sits in a lifeguard chair and marks every movement that he makes in the kitchen. Like, I mean, it sounds bizarre. <laughs> let, let me watch this. Uh, but how did you come to kitchen stories? Um, my parent, I, my, my parents must have watched it around when it came out. Um, or maybe, yeah, I was gonna say, or maybe before it came out, <laughs> which doesn't make sense. Um, but it was at a time where I was not used to subtitled movies. And so most of it went over my head the first time around. But my parents are really, my um, dad really loves Sweden, um, partly because of family history. And the, you know, the movie is a Nor- Norwegian Swedish film. And uh, had you rewatched it much since uh, you, you kind of remember being exposed to it uh, when you were younger? Yeah, I think I watched it once about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, this past week. Right. <laughs> but uh, the the visual of the man in the chair in the corner <laughs> it's something really stuck weird. with me. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> I can understand that. Being like, I yeah. don't remember much about this movie, but I remember a man sitting basically in a lifeguard chair in the corner of another man's kitchen yeah. <laughs> and just watching him move around. <laughs> so Kitchen Stories is a 2003 Norwegian film uh, by director Bent Hammer, I'm going to guess. Again, yep. my pronunciation may be off on some of these. The director was inspired by reading post-World War II research about the efficiencies of Swedish housewives, and he decided to like play out a what if if this if they had uh, studied uh, single men in, in their kitchens. And I, I don't know how you make that leap that this director made. <laughs> um, <laughs> reading about some research about efficiencies of Swedish housewives and saying, oh, let's Let's flip that around and also make an entire movie about that. Yeah. He said, actually, um, there's this interview with him. He found this book in a school gym sale and it had things about how to repair clothes or your car, the books you should have. And then it had a chapter called the housewife has many occupations. And there was this diagram that he said he put in the film. And it just said, observation of the housewife's travel in the kitchen during five weeks by the Swedish Research Institute. And he bought a few of the books and gave away some of them as gifts. <laughs> and then he was working on a different film, and he didn't think it was going to get financed. So he returned to this diagram, and he was like, ooh, maybe this could be a background for this picture. So I love hearing like where inspiration strikes for yeah. creative yeah. individuals and this random book at a used book sale that had a diagram from yeah. the 1950s. Of... And the diagram is in the movie. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. It is beautiful. Yeah. So. And um, it's, it's just so interesting. Like what is going to trigger a story? Yeah. And the story that this triggers is just simultaneously bizarre um, and captivating, but also nothing happens. And so <laughs> Um, he he landed on a, like it, it feels more like um, a tone is what this film is presenting us than a story. Uh, yeah, in, in some ways. I mean, there is some narrative. I'll give, I'll give you the plot summary in a little bit. Um, but so much of what I think works about this film and kind of made it so I couldn't look away, even though there's long stretches of like no dialogue and very little action that's happening was <laughs> uh, like the editing and the pacing and like how he found like just the right length to hold a shot. Um, and you know, when to cut to a close up of an eye flick, <laughs> you know, something like yeah, that. Yeah, and the and the colors I think are 
super beautiful. It's this wintry town that's really small and everything is kind of gray and white or pale green. Mm-hmm. And uh, last bit of trivia, the, the film received the 2003 Amanda Award for Best Film at the Norwegian International Film Festival. And I saw it mentioned, um, like, it has a very, like, once I started Googling it, there was, like, lots of good buzz about this. It seems like anyone who f- who finds it writes up praise for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, positive reviews from when it came out and also, like, comments from people like, I just found this, you know, almost 20-year-old film that uh, that everyone should watch. And um, I, I think it's, it mentions in several places, like this was Norway's submission for the foreign language film for the Academy Awards. It didn't get the nomination, um, but it's, I understand where like they, they look at their work and they say this, this one, Let, let's submit this one. That yeah, makes sense yeah. to me uh, that that's where they're going to settle. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll jump over to the, uh, the full summary in just a second. But before we do, we want to thank you for downloading this episode. And we especially want to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you'd like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least $8 per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes. In which we talk about the media that we've been consuming that we're not yet covering as full episodes of the podcast. And we also give updates on our 2022 fantasy box office and all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. So now onto the plot sum- summary, and I want to thank uh, Rachel for writing this summary, but I will go ahead and read this because in the last episode we recorded with you, you read the long plot summary, <laughs> so I will tackle it this time. The movie opens with an introductory film showing the work of a Swedish research institute that has improved the efficiency of Swedish housewives, particularly in their kitchens, by <laughs> charting every step they take in the kitchen. This is an amazing opening sequence for this oh, film. Man, like, so when, when I watched this opening sequence, I'm like, I don't care what comes next. I am in on this film. I am 100% committed on watching. Um, I still don't know what the thing is on the woman's back. That Do you know what it looks into? like? It, like, is this somehow yeah. like, tracking like oxygen usage or something along? Oh, those it things? must, it must be. Okay, yeah, because it looks like a giant vacuum thing, but mm-hmm. she has, yeah, she has that. But breathing she also has like a snorkel tube attached to it as she's yeah. being, <laughs> walking and doing like her house chores. Someone who's like trying to track how hard it is to do these house chores. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the 1950s, and these Swedish researchers have now set their sights on improving the efficiency of Norwegian bachelors in the kitchen. <laughs> a troop of cars with identical mini trailers crosses from Sweden to Norway and switches to the right side of the road. This is always a big deal when they talk about the different <laughs> sides of the road. Yeah. And I remember I was listening to uh, it was an omnibus podcast where they talked about like the switch. I think they like now everyone drives on the same side of the road uh, in these, but there was a day where like everything switched. <laughs> like okay, Crazy. we're moving over. Um, these Swedish <laughs> researchers meet at a community hall and sit in umpire chairs facing a group of Norwegian men. The head researcher, Lundberg, flies into town in a company plane accompanied by a woman and clearly partying and drinking on the plane. Lundberg instructs his subordinate, Malmberg, to do the presentation at the town hall. And then Lundberg <laughs> flies away and says, I'm going to Flin- Finland. But really, it's just like, okay, uh, who the person who was second in command is now in command and things are going to spiral out of control on him. Yeah. Back at the town hall, Malmberg explains that the researchers are each assigned one host, and they must observe the host without speaking or affecting the host life <laughs> in any way. Meanwhile, they are perched in these chairs in the corners of the kitchen, and they make eye contact constantly, but this is supposed to be like, there's no observer effect. This person is carrying on their life exactly <laughs> as though I wasn't sitting here in their kitchen watching them. And the researchers will be living in the trailers just outside the, the homes for the duration of the study. So they go back out to their trailers to, to sleep every night. After the presentation, the researchers head off to their respective subjects' homes. One researcher, Folke Nilsson, is taken to the home of Itzak, a Norwegian uh, man. And he's taken there by Itzak's friend, Grant. Uh, Nielsen is not allowed inside the house because Itzak regrets volunteering. This is a fantastic like little sequence. It felt like I was watching a Coen Brothers film. As, yeah. Uh, like they keep trying to get Itzak to come back to come out to his door and let Nielsen in, and there's like more people every time we cut to a, like a new day. Now there's three researchers pounding on the door and holding ladders and climbing up, and yeah. the editing of of them like looking in the window and then uh, Itzak looking out the window. It's just amazing. Am I yeah. saying that name right, Itzak? That's what I remember. But now I I'm think questioning so. everything uh, about these pronunciations. <laughs> I watched the movie last night, and already uh, I, I'm uncertain. Um, before he leaves, uh, Grant leaves um, 
or places a Swedish dollar horse by the front door. The decorative wooden horse is Itzok's compensation for participating in the study. At night, Itzok takes the wooden horse off the porch without coming outside. Uh, Nielsen's superior, Malmberg, comes and stands on a ladder to talk to Itzok while Itzok remains in his house, but Itzok doesn't respond. Then Itzok's doctor comes to convince him to let <laughs> Nielsen in and mentions that Itzok needs a checkup. Uh, Nielsen asks Malmberg if he can have a new host, and Malmberg says that no other Norwegian men volunteered for the study. Finally, uh, Nielsen stands on the ladder by himself while smoking a pipe. Itzok opens his window and sees Volky staring <laughs> right back at him. Nielsen staring right back at him. In surprise, Itzok immediately shuts the window and uh, Nielsen comes down the ladder. I loved that sequence. It was just excellent filmmaking. Just yeah. all the facial reactions, the acting, the editing, the the camera placements, everything in that part was, was chef's kiss. Yeah, because you can kind of tell that Isak thought he'd gotten like pulled one over on them because he mm-hmm. opens the window and kind of smiling and then he just looks directly into Nielsen's face <laughs> and immediately closes like eight inches apart. There's a pane of glass between them, but they're yeah. like eight inches apart. <laughs> and that means, you know, Nielsen's been standing on this ladder that goes up to the second floor. <laughs> so. so the next day, Nielsen watches Itzak walk into the house from the barn. When Itzak enters the house, he deliberately leaves the front door open. So Nielsen takes up his spot on his umpire chair in the corner in the kitchen and begins tracking Itzak's movement. Itzak makes coffee and talks to a friend, but he is clearly uncomfortable with Nielsen in the kitchen. I understand. <laughs> Itzak, this is a bizarre study that you think is going to be neutral. Uh, he turns off the light and when he leaves, uh, he turns off the light when he leaves, leaving Nielsen sitting in the dark in the kitchen alone. Itzak eats a chocolate bar and almost offers some to Nilsson, who is drooling over it, but reconsiders. Instead, he turns off the light so he can eat without Nilsson watching him. Nilsson is prepared this time. He turns on a headlamp, which shines directly into <laughs> Itzak's face. Itzak leaves the kitchen. Nilsson goes out and buys some chocolate bars, eating them in his caravan uh, while Itzak is setting mousetraps. Nilsson coughs, and Itzak hurts his hand in a trap. Again, like that, just that little vignette of the man on the chair up high watching this other man try and set mouse traps, and you feel as an audience like the tension. You know this trap is going to snap. You just know it, and you don't know how or when. And then there's a little cough, and the trap snaps, and then Nilsson just walks out of the room. That night, or Itzak does. That night, Itzak drills a hole in the floor. Uh, well, he goes up to the second floor and drills a hole in the floor so that there is now a hole directly above Nilsson's head, so that he can, in fact. Watch Nilsson. <laughs> He's also using a hot plate to cook in his bedroom instead of the kitchen downstairs, and Nilsson can smell the food above him. While speaking to his su- superior, Malmberg, Nilsson relays that Itzak mostly cooks in his bedroom. Malmberg is confused. Nilsson I love asks, this because it's like clear to Malmberg that, that clear that Malmberg doesn't realize that the researcher is affecting the situation. He's like, what's weird? Norwegian men cook in their bedrooms? Why does like, he have a, a spare kitchen upstairs? It's like, yeah. Because he hates the observer that's standing, <laughs> like hanging like a vulture in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just so foreign an idea to Malmberg. Um, let's see. Uh, Sorry, yeah. Malmberg is confused and Nilsson asks if he can change hosts, but Malmberg refuses. Malmberg mails a letter from uh, Nilsson to his aunt and uh, Nilsson hopes she'll send him Baltic herring. Uh, Nilsson is observing Itzak again when the phone in the kitchen rings. Itzak listens for the number of rings but does not answer. Uh, then his friend Grant comes over and Itzak gives him a haircut. When Itzak and Grant leave the kitchen, Nilsson opens a container and eats his meal. His boiled egg has no salt, so he sneaks down off his chair and grabs some salt from a shelf. And uh, he hears Itzak coming, so he has to stick the salt on a different place and climb back on his chair. And Itzak eyes him. <laughs> um, Itzak goes to get an egg, but when he reaches for the salt, it is in the right place. He looks around for it but can't find it. And Nilsson coughs and points to the salt where he put it. And Itzak places the salt on the shelf but leaves without even using it. Grant comes on his tractor. When he enters the kitchen, Itzak has hung his clothes and linens all over the kitchen to dry, obscuring Nilsson's view. Itzak is outside brushing his sick horse's hair. He asks why the uh, he asks the horse why it won't get any better. Through the clothes, Nilsson observes Itzak open a container of tobacco. The container is empty. And Nilsson reaches into his pocket and throws a bag down onto the table. Itzak seems surprised, but he lights his pipe. Then Itzak fills two cups and tells Nilsson it's time for coffee. He leaves one cup on the other side of the table, and Nilsson comes down off the chair 
and stands and drinks the coffee. Nelson says, thank you. The first words he has said out loud to Itzhak in this kitchen. It is amazing that he, it's been this long <laughs> since we've heard him speak. <laughs> and then he climbs back up on his chair. Itzhak meets Grant in town and Grant asks why Itzhak has bought Swedish, Swedish pipe tobacco. Itzhak says he got it for Nilsson and he heads home. Back at Itzhak's home, he and Nilsson are smoking pipes and talking about themselves. So like at this point, the barriers are entirely down. <laughs> yeah, but he, Nilsson is still sitting and this is <laughs> in this tall chair. Yes. Uh, and later on, Nilsson falls asleep in that chair and Itzhak comes and puts a blanket over him. Grant is at the doctor's, who, uh, and the doctor tells Grant that his lungs look fine. At Nilsson's trailer, a package arrives. The mailman was also the air traffic controller that we saw earlier in the film. Uh, Nilsson is in his trailer eating just huge amounts of herring and other foods from the package. You can tell like he is devouring this package from his aunt. Later, he throws up because he's eating too much. The next day, Itzhak is eating Nilsson's food <laughs> from the package. And Nilsson is up in his chair and saying, I don't want any of that because he made himself sick by eating it. Uh, Malmberg knocks on the kitchen door and Nilsson looks nervous. Malmberg reveals that another researcher and his host have begun drinking together and the whole project is now in jeopardy because these researchers are supposed to have zero actual interaction with their subjects. Malmberg says he would have sent the researcher home if he weren't related to Dr. Lundberg. Nilsson says he'd like to stay with Itzhak instead of switching to the other researcher's host as he had requested before. Itzhak listens to this conversation with interest. Malmberg tells Itzhak to enjoy his meal. Then Itzhak tells Nilsson that Itzhak uh, that I'm going to need to take a bath soon. And he has to take the bath in the kitchen. So that night, the errant researcher Green arrives at Nilsen's caravan and asks for more booze for Green and his host to drink together. Nilsen tells him that he's not supposed to drink on the job. And Green says he thinks the experiment is doomed to fail because of the relationship between the observer and the observee. Nilsen tries to defend the experiment, but Green calls Nilsen an idiot and tells him to observe himself before running off. And he's, <laughs> he says, observe yourself in a way that you know he's saying something else. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> observe yourself the next morning uh itzak tells nilsen that he thinks green is right host and observer have to talk to each other itzak hears the phone ring and without picking it up tells nilsen that grant is coming over for coffee nilsen asks why itzak and grant don't actually answer the phone and speak to each other and itzak says well it's too expensive but they can call and signal each other for free so grant comes over for coffee and tells itzak that another researcher um has left Grant tells Nielsen that it'll be five soon, and Grant leaves quickly from his tractor. Grant observes that Itzhak and Foki uh, and Nielsen are laughing, uh, talking and laughing together. Um, let's see. Uh, after Grant leaves, Itzhak and Nielsen talk into the night about potatoes and nuclear power. That is a good description of their conversation. <laughs> I don't know what more to say about that. Uh, Nilsson reveals that he knows about the second stove in Itzhak's bedroom. And Itzhak says Nilsson doesn't understand that Itzhak can't act normally in his kitchen until Nilsson stops observing him. Itzhak compares the situation to the Swedes' neutral position as observers during the war. Nilsson asks Itzhak why Grant didn't volunteer. And Itzhak reveals that uh, he only volunteered because he was told he would get... Uh, meaning for this study. And Isaac reveals that he only um, volunteered because he was told he would get a horse and he thought it would be a live horse, not the wooden horse that he was given. Oh. <laughs> brutal, brutal. <laughs> Bit of advertising for this study. The next day, Isaac hears Nilsson coughing and sneezing and he takes Nilsson to his horse and has him lie down to sleep on the horse while wearing a cat skin wrapped around his neck saying this is like the folk remedy of, of this town. In his kitchen Itzhak looks at Nilsson's diagram and he adds some lines for where Nilsson is walking. <laughs> <laughs> he sits up in the tall chair and laughs. Momberg arrives in his car and looks for Nilsson but does not find him. He enters the kitchen and finds Itzhak asleep in the chair. Uh, Itzhak lies and says oh Nilsson just went into town to buy some tobacco. Momberg leaves the house and runs runs into Nilsson, who has returned from sleeping in the barn and is still wearing a cat skin. Malmberg tells him that his paycheck has been delayed because Dr. Lundberg uh, <laughs> it needs to fly into town. Uh, this Dr. Lundberg, I have very serious questions about what he's doing with the research funds for this <laughs> assignment. Um, Itzhak takes a bath behind a covering while Nilsson and he talk about their dreams. Nilsson turns off the light and gives Itzhak his towel when he comes out of the bath. Itzhak tells uh, <laughs> Nilsson to listen while Itzhak opens his mouth and Itzhak says he can transmit radio signals because of the fillings in his teeth. In Nilsson's trailer, Malmberg tells Nilsson that Dr. Jumberg is in Finland and unavailable. Malmberg gives him his paycheck. Malmberg shares that other researchers have also reported that the Nor Norwegian men being observed have made strange movements in the kitchen. Malmberg tells Nilsson that Green has disappe disappeared before he could be fired. 
uh, Grant complains to the doctor about Itzok talking with Nielsen. Grant says that he's excited for the researchers to finish their study and leave. The doctor asks Grant to talk Itzok into getting a checkup, but Grant says Itzok's not going to listen to him. Back in Nielsen's trailer, he and Itzok, dressed in suits, blow out Itzok's birthday candles. They drink bourbon together. Itzok says that Grant uses the hair from his haircuts to make dolls, something he learned in concentration camps. Itzok shows uh, Nilsson, a room full of pepper that his father bought during the war. <laughs> and it's it's just piles of pepper. It's so much pepper. Uh, Grant watches from outside the window as Itzok and Nilsson talk in the kitchen. And Grant leaves without giving Itzok his birthday present. This was one of the saddest things I've ever seen. Yeah. As Grant walks away carrying a birthday package. In the dark. Yep. Uh, Malmberg arrives at Itzok's house and finds Itzok asleep in the umpire chair again. There are empty bottles all over. Itzok goes looking for Nilsson. While he's gone, Malmberg climbs uh, into the chair and looks at Nilsson's research. And Itzok uses the peephole, peephole to spy on Malmberg. Uh, <laughs> and Nilsson was asleep in the bedroom up here, like in in uh, Itzok's bed. So Itzak fell asleep in the chair. Nilsson went upstairs and slept in Itzak's bed. And then Itzak wakes up and, or Nilsson wakes up and sees Itzak like peeking through the peephole down at Malmberg, who's now sitting in the chair. And uh, Itzak asks if drilling the hole is worse than Nilsson watching him this whole time. Itzak explains to Malmberg that uh, Nilsson wasn't feeling well. Uh, that whenever Nilsson wasn't feeling well, he would track his movements for him. Momberg requests <laughs> that Nilsson meet with him regarding a return to Sweden. And then he takes Nilsson's research. Nilsson sits up in the chair while Itzak is at the table. Grant watches again from the window. While Nilsson is sleeping in his caravan, Grant hooks the caravan up to his tractor as Itzak watches from a window. Grant drives the caravan to the train tracks and leaves it on the train tracks. <laughs> I don't know what to make of this sequence. Uh, Itzak comes with his horse, hooks his sick old <laughs> horse up to the trailer, and takes it back to his house. Where, and Nilsson sleeps through this whole thing. He doesn't know his life was in danger because of a jealous friend. And then the next morning, Itzak's horse is bleeding from its nose. Itzak and Nilsson sit across from each other at the table and discuss the situation with Malmberg. Itzak offers to have Nilsson stay with him through Christmas because he's going to be fired anyway. Malmberg walks into the kitchen, and Nilsson tells him he has resigned, but Malmberg tells him that he's been fired. Nilsson says he'll stay with Itzak until Christmas, but Malmberg angrily tells him he is contractually obligated to return his trailer to Sweden. I mean, you did just fire him, but <laughs> yes. Rules are rules. Yeah. Uh, Nilsson hooks up the trailer, and Itzak watches him leave from an upstairs window. Itzak speaks to someone on the phone about putting his horse down. Nilsson's car joins a line of other researchers bringing their trailers back to Sweden. I love these random cars with these trailers and the chairs strapped to the back of the trailers. Yeah. At the border, Nilsson unhooks his trailer, despite Malmberg's protests, and he turns around and drives back into Norway. Malmberg threatens to have <laughs> Nilsson blacklisted as a researcher, and then he tries to hook up Nilsson's trailer to his own car, but fails. Dr. Lundberg arrives, or stands in a snowy field by his plane, where the people are partying. The air traffic controller slash postal carrier hands Dr. Lundberg the research that Malmberg has left for him. Green, the disgraced researcher, and Lundberg's nephew appears from the plane. Uh, drunk. Nilsson's notes show that Itzak was observing Nilsson and Green and Lundberg laugh as they head back into the plane. The quality of his research is very suspect, I just want to say, uh, throughout <laughs> this whole thing. Uh, Grant walks into Itzak's house and he sees Itzak lying in a chair set in Nilsson's corner of the kitchen. Nilsson returns to the house and he sees Itzak's horse being led away into a trailer as the, the trailer that the horse has been led into pulls away Nilsson can now see the front of the Isaac's house and that trailer leaving reveals a hearse is parked there and there's a coffin inside. At the composition of this shot, as we see Nilsson in the foreground and then Grant in the middle ground and then the yeah. doctor in the background is just amazing filmmaking. I love this shot so much. I mean, heartbreaking for what it's revealing narratively, uh, but just from a filmmaking craft perspective, I thought this was so well done. Grant walks uh, out of the house into the front yard with the doctor behind him. Nilsson walks past Grant back into the house and Grant follows him in. We cut to the springtime at Itzak's house and the phone rings. Nilsson enters the kitchen wearing work boots. Without picking up the phone, he smiles and puts a pot of coffee onto the stove and places two cups on the table. And then we hear the sound of Grant's tractor outside. The end. <laughs> so good oh so good so, good. so strange <laughs> so <Yeah>. good <laughs> so strange <laughs> like how did this film get made i don't know but i'm glad it did yeah <laughs> um what would you like to talk about with kitchen stories what stands out the most to you rachel 
Well, um, I mean, the research one is a big thing, right? Like, <laughs> um, it's making fun of uh, p- positivism and, you know, that truth is only to be gained through scientific observation, but they're like <laughs> so completely inside of their own experiments that there's, yeah, like you said, like, what, <laughs> what is the quality of this research? And also, what Norwegian men asked to have their kitchens become more efficient? <laughs> Like, oh yeah, housewives. Now let's do these bachelors in these rural, you know, places. Anyway. Yeah, it's uh, the observer effect. Uh, like, as soon as you see how they have positioned the researcher, and some of this is absolutely for comedic effect, but, you know, up in that chair, in the corner of a kitchen, you, like, as an audience know, like, this this is no good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like that first moment that Nielsen is watching... Um, watching Itzek, you know, Itzek looks so uncomfortable. <laughs> and he has this moment where he walks to the counter, but then he walks to the sink, and then he leaves the room, and he comes back and turns off the light while looking at Nielsen. <laughs> Just leaves him in the dark? Yeah. <laughs> um, these opening beats, uh, or like these little vignettes like that, and um, some of those other like the things with the ladder to me like that was the most charming part of the film is like the yes. silent uh exchanges you know because they are exchanges like there's communication that's happening but yeah it's done silently um to me like that was the most magical part of the film i definitely like i think the emotional hit of itzak dying lands 100 percent, and their friendship yeah like does feel good but i almost wish like we could have kept those uh like little moments of the like highlight the absurdity of all of this like kept that yeah. even longer because <laughs> you can tell they're kind of tormenting each other but just in these very subtle ways and Did then you find um, yourself thinking like what would i be more uncomfortable with <laughs> like which one of these two roles because i absolutely did like, i don't i wouldn't want to be either of these men right now <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny right when um when isaac gets the chance he sits in the chair like multiple times <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> when nielsen is not there it's like nope i'm up in this chair now you know <laughs> and it then you create like a, a sense of power dynamic uh, yes yeah and even when they're talking as friends you know nielsen's still <laughs> chooses to sit high above him in this chair (laughs) i I mean just from a filmmaking perspective like it is it allows for such bizarre cinematography to take place that there's these (laughs) tears um and it's just this man in a suit with a notepad uh looking down but it feels like he's looking down in judgment even though that's you know not what the research is supposed to be not the um you know, not not what we're given to understand of Nielsen uh, at all, but it just feels so inherent to this <laughs> that there yeah. is uh, a sense of judgment that's happening there. Yes, and um, the in that interview I referenced earlier with the director, he was asked what the real challenge of the film was, and he said, "Well, it's a challenge when you put two people in the same room for the whole film, and they don't talk to each other for a very long time. I thought it would be hard to get financing for that." But I was very eager to stick to the concept because that's what makes the humor and not to attempt to do other things. Just focus on the situation. And then small things started to occur. I mean, when you move the salt in my film, it's like the biggest explosion in an American film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the uh, And like that sense of panic that Nielsen has as he hears. Yes. Coming. And like, this is an act of transgression that he went and, and took the salt uh, from the kitchen. And you know, within 20 minutes, like that is nothing because they're sitting and drinking, you know, and, yeah. and sharing birthday cake, et cetera. Like, like all the, all the barriers break down, but they've done such a good job of establishing those barriers initially that you do feel like, Oh, he's in trouble. <laughs> yeah. And, and the next thing that, um, Itzak does is hang his clothes all over the kitchen. <laughs> it's like, how dare you come into my space even more? Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting to think about for a moment. How well do you think we get to know these two men before they have conversations? Like if you were going to start to try and do like a quick character sketch, what have we learned from these early silent vignettes before like we get them discussing some of their backstory and they talk a little bit about family and experiences during the war um, and other things that like verbally sketch in. Uh, But what are we like, like in the classic, like show don't tell, we're yeah. really being shown without any telling because there's no dialogue. So what, what are we learning about these men, do you think? 
yeah, I feel like for Nielsen, he has this commitment to his research. Like, he's there even though it's uncomfortable, and he's really not going to talk even when he really wants that chocolate bar. Um, and he's, like, drooling over it. And then also there's this playfulness to him, right? Like, he, he gets this little smirk when he <laughs> shines his headlamp in um, in Itzak's face when Itzak turns off the light to eat his chocolate bar. <laughs> and then he, like... Um, you know, he clearly loves food. He's doing a lot of mm-hmm. eating of food and he's getting his food recommendations from Itzhak, you know, f- just from eating those things, not from talking to him about it. Yeah. And that so. scene of like gluttony in the, uh, oh, man. in the, in the so like, it's, it's done silently, but like just the, the eating sounds and also like the way he's so aggressively like cutting the cheese and making like little yeah. sandwiches. Um, and it's, it's a wonder, like, isn't it just one shot over the shoulder? I think so. Uh, yeah. It's fascinating. Like, I just felt like I know this person who's like had a long day, hasn't eaten. He just got food from home uh, and he's overindulging. Yeah. <laughs> right now. <laughs> and then it doesn't even tell you what he said to Itzak to give him the food, right? It just cuts to Itzak eating yeah. it. And you're like, oh, well, we know why. He... <laughs> well, I was talking, my, my wife was like, did it make him sick? Like, was it, was like the fish bad or something? I don't think so. Like, I don't feel like there's an antagonism towards Itzak. Yeah. Like, that yeah. would be antagonistic to give him something that had literally made him sick because it was bad um and so i didn't get that feeling and it was in your plot summary you described it as like being sick from like overeating like oh that absolutely is what happened isn't it um so i think there was just enough ambiguity that maybe it wasn't 100 percent clear yes uh, there yeah. but I, I i did not at any point feel like the food had poisoned him and you know like he had food poisoning and now he's food poisoning it's like even though there is absolutely antagonism there it just didn't feel like it was that level it was like a pettiness that is there not really like a maliciousness yeah yeah and, I think and that when says something about the characters too that yeah they, these men can be very petty towards each other yeah. when they don't like each other <laughs> um, early on but it, it doesn't feel like aggressive yeah yeah um and they're each making their own moves they're not doing like way over the top when something else happens um I mean, kind of like uh, you said, the director said, like, moving salt, it feels like an explosion in a different film. Yeah. Like, turning off the light. (laughs) (laughs) Or that moment where he he turns off the sink and then he turns it on just slightly so it will drip. (laughs) (laughs) And then he leaves the room and you just see Nielsen sitting there with the constant drip, 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 drip. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like driving it just long enough for the audience to be driven crazy by it too yeah <laughs> and then you know you get um once you get to meet Itzak, you realize like how i mean once they start talking you realize how sweet and caring he is you know he covers um him in his blanket and he hears him coughing and sneezing in his trailer and so he's the one who marches him out to his barn to do the weird horse cat kind of like folk cure <laughs> yeah um and he's so he's very tender and even when he sees grant like attempting murder (laughs) through the window he doesn't call grant out on it he just looks really sad he lets it happen and then he goes and fixes the situation that whole thing goes with grant i'm like i don't know what we're supposed to think about grant at this point uh like yeah uh because because that is i said like these other two men are petty like that is um attempted murder (laughs) because uh, i don't think it was in the summary but like when he first crosses the tracks he like yells back to nilson like the farmer that lived over there died on these tracks when his tractor stalled on on the on these train tracks and so when he leaves yeah the and nilson's like, like i can't hear you <laughs> whoa like that's an escalation of uh of anything that we've seen in this film so far that's that's kind of something i want to know is like you know they're clearly friends by the end of the film um, but has, does Nielsen know that Grant, because Nielsen was asleep through the whole thing. So <laughs> is there, did they have a conversation at one point where Grant was like, by the way, I, I was really, really upset you. and I tried to kill you. Like, it's I, like, it's okay. <laughs> or is I mean, it something that doesn't need to be spoken? Uh, I mean, these, yes, Itzhak and uh, Nielsen do, do end up talking some, but I also get the feeling that 
a lot of these men are communicating more silently than yes, yeah. <laughs> opening up. And just with hand gestures. Involved, right? Unless yeah. alcohol, they do open up with yes. alcohol. And I'm going to guess alcohol was probably involved in Grant's decision-making process. Yeah. Uh, like he, he was there for the birth, uh, for Etoch's birthday, uh, saw that he may have already been a little drunk, saw them having fun, went home and drank some more, and then came with a tractor and said, I'm, I'm getting rid of him. <laughs> this man's ruining my relationship with Etoch. Yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting you find out that Grant was in a concentration camp and part of the way Sweden maintained neutrality during the war was letting the Germans march through Sweden to get to Norway. Um, so the- that's like not you're no longer neutral. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And talking about like the observer effect, like, no, no, you're you're not able to like really claim neutrality when you're sitting up in a corner of a kitchen and affecting every choice that Etoch's going to make. You also can't claim neutrality in a more war when you open up your borders for an invading army to march through. Yeah. And there's this weird moment where um, Etoch tells um, Nielsen that Grant was in a con- concentration camp. And Nielsen, the first thing he says is he makes some joke about how um, a year in prison is longer in Sweden than in Norway. And that doesn't seem fair. And Itzak is like, okay, but Grant shouldn't have been in concentration camp. So like, <laughs> it's like, and he's like, oh yeah, you're right. I guess it's too soon. To <laughs> yeah. <laughs> make I, sure that was another us. moment where like my wife and I were like, I'm not quite sure like what emotion we're supposed to be pulling from, from this yeah um, and, and so that may just be cultural difference right like like my ignorance of the norway sweden relationship yes apparently nowadays it's much more friendly but yeah back then there was a lot of resentment my cousin served a church mission there and in norway and she said that um it they kind of tease each other she feels like it's a similar dynamic to the u.s and canada mm-hmm. um and but but older generations do feel that resentment towards Sweden. Um, I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think you'd be a little frustrated. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so I think some of that cultural context that is just treated um, as, as it should be, because this is a Norwegian film as like the uh, just known cultural milieu. Some of that missing from me as an American viewer. Um, there were some scenes where I'm like, I, I like, what is the uh, like the background tone I'm supposed to be reading from this? Yes, yeah, because there's clearly a few different language issues during the film. One of them you kind of get from the idea that he thought the horse was alive and not this <laughs> Swedish decoration, mm-hmm. um, because the way he says "dala horse," which is that Swedish decoration horse, is different than the way that Nielsen says it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know. It, it's clear because um, in my research, I found out that Norwegian and Swedish are very similar. So you could, they're each speaking their own language. And in the director said that he co-wrote it with a friend of his who is Swedish because there are, you know, the Swedish parts of the film and the Norwegian parts, but there are some differences in words and things that can really complicate um, that. And so it's really interesting to think like they understand each other, but there are these moments like with us, um, interacting with the film with a different culture we're like okay i get that but there are things you're missing that end up being important yeah and thinking about um some of maybe the the cultural things i missed one thing that i did appreciate that definitely translated across culture is the importance of food with sociality yeah um like this this film is obsessed with food <laughs> That's funny because Crash Landing on You was too. <laughs> doing lots of foreign films with. <laughs> with well, food no, I was thinking about like Miyazaki films and the way uh, the food. Yeah, ooh, food's films. so good there. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and certainly there are many American films that do also, <laughs> you know, make make food a centerpiece. Centerpiece, but the um, like the first breaking of the ice between these two is is over food, which makes sense. Cause, I mean, it's called Kitchen Stories. Like that. That's. Obviously, what's happening very often in a kitchen is yeah. food-based interactions um, with people. Uh, but it, you know, the the chocolate bar, the uh, the the package of food, the salt shaker, um, the coffee, the tobacco, right? Like, uh, I mean, not the tobacco, I guess, but but all these other things. It's it's about about food, and that's where some of the sociality that develops between Itzhak and Nielsen 
Um, you know, it, it's geared around this. The birthday cake, too, right? You know, it's... Yeah. Uh, and then also alcohol, the classic socializing uh, lubricant um, is going is to be present <laughs> uh, here as well. Um, and so, and even, like, when whenever Grant comes, they, he's coming to talk and hang out with Heatsock, but it's also almost always around drinking uh, coffee or, or alcohol, too, right? Yeah. Um, and... and I just think it's it's very interesting the way that, uh, like the director said, like something that could so often be small stakes becomes big stakes, right? You know, like eating this chocolate bar in front of someone else, in front of someone else becomes a big deal. Uh, yeah. Grabbing salt or, um, becomes a big deal. Yeah. Or Itzak buying the Swedish tobacco mm-hmm. and Grant seeing him, like Grant is immediately clued in to that something is changing with Itzak's relationship with um, with Nielsen. And that's what breaks down Green's experiment, right? Like Malmberg's like, oh, can you believe yeah. Green is is drinking and talking with his subject? And uh, Malmberg seems like so appalled by this, but also like <laughs> us as an audience, we're like, what else did you think was going to happen? Yeah, Malmberg? It makes you wonder <laughs> like, what happened with the Swedish housewives. Yeah, you know? like the, it sounds the like footage, they've done this before. Yes, yeah, so the footage we're given is uh, at the beginning in that little um, montage is like the Swedish housewives in scientific places like like in labs doing yeah their work um but the way it gets talked about you sound like it seems like there must have been observation in the same style that they're doing uh for the norwegian men yeah and malmberg is so offended when he comes in the first time to find itzak sitting in the chair <laughs> <laughs> that is a sacred place of research <laughs> not for the observer and there's and or there's this the moment rather. yeah and there's this moment when he comes over um to talk to Nielsen when he's sitting in the chair and Itzak is eating and he kind of doesn't address Itzak, even though he's only like two feet away from him and he has this private work conversation with Nielsen <laughs> while he's in the chair about Itzak. Um, <laughs> just like you, uh, what's happening here? You just have decided this is your workplace. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I know this, this particular research is made up, right? But it yeah, does yeah. like, were we really doing like sociological research that had the observer like that present in someone's life and we really thought we were going to get neutral data <laughs> at any point it just seems so absurd yeah um, in talking about the things we learn uh, like like I, I had asked earlier I think we did a good job of, of breaking this up what we go with Nielsen and I think it's also interesting um, Itzak's, um I, I, I think like his uh, antagonism and, and like these little barbs that he's throwing nielsen's way it doesn't feel rooted in dislike so much as discomfort do do you get that feeling as well yeah i'm like there's a profound discomfort he has being watched as he's going about his daily routine which i i get (laughs) that doesn't feel like like an out there character choice in any way um i i think we've all probably had like someone watching you and suddenly it's like am i doing something weird (laughs) like everything you do feels unnatural (laughs) as soon as someone is watching you do it um, and so uh, we, we're able to sense that from the actor's portrayal is that like the him turning off the night, the light and the other like little petty things that he does towards Nielsen. A lot of it isn't is, is more rooted in like, ah, I'm I'm uncomfortable <laughs> with this relationship as it exists right now. Yeah. I mean, and the only compensation version of Itzak. Yeah. And the only compensation he gets is a wooden horse. <laughs> oh, he's being taken advantage of. And yeah. like what? Once he said, explains that, it's like, oh, what? What were these researchers like? In what universe is that the right compensation to let someone for like? <laughs> how long is this study going? Like at least a month, right? Because yeah, like this yeah, it's about it. again. Or yeah, before Christmas. I, I was trying to say Christmas, and then I almost switched to kitchen, and then it came out chicken. So that, <laughs> that was not a good. I didn't hear chicken there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Countdown towards Christmas in the kitchen. Uh, like that's a very strange location and timetable to have. Uh, yeah, and, and try and act naturally <laughs> this whole time um and, and their friendship just feels nice once it develops and they they start breaking down and and like talking to each other like i think i felt attention in the way those shorter films or scenes that i loved were taking place and it did feel like a release when they start to talk to one another yeah because it, it's so quickly after they you know he gives him the tobacco he serves him coffee and then they're talking mm-hmm. um and, and I think that's uh, the right choice for storytelling. Like, I don't think that needed to be like more gradual. It's like once this very breaks down, like a human interaction 
it's down. <laughs> like you, yeah, can't, and you can't go back. <laughs> yeah, and they've been in each other's lives already for a while, you know. So it's not like they have to get to know each other in that way. Mm-hmm. Were you? I kind of felt like I'm trying to think. Was the was the birthday scene? Was that in Nielsen's trailer? Was, yes, was, I yeah, believe okay. it was. I was going to say I wanted to see more of like it's uh, actually like observing Nielsen's trailer, <laughs> like. <laughs> him in his life a little bit more but he did get into the trailer at least for, for yeah. a scene right and and at one point you can see a pair of binoculars on his kitchen window sill um and it's the kitchen the window sill that faces the trailer mm-hmm. or the window that faces the trailer so i it, i gave me the impression that he's already been <laughs> observing it. <laughs> and then um nielsen gets so offended when i mean just sort of offended when he finds out that um that Itzak drilled that hole in the floor above his head. <laughs> He's like, I already apologized for that. I. <laughs> One last thing that I want to make sure we touch on is um, just the tone of this. Like I said, at the, I, I, I'm sure I said something about this before, but it just felt like um, like a pleasant space to be in. And like I was laughing at what I was saying, but it wasn't like set up punchline. It was just like these little interactions in the kitchen and the editing and pacing. Like there's a deft hand in the director in choosing, like I'm going to have a three minute scene <laughs> with no dialogue and with just some glances that's going to communicate so much to, to the audience. And um, that sureness of storytelling through the medium of filmmaking, I thought was just a pleasure to watch. Um, and it did, like like you mentioned, the the set design and the color palette. And you, we've talked about the editing and the directing and also some really great performances from actors who are being asked to do a lot, I'm sure was sometimes very little on the page. Like some of these scenes written out would yeah. not give a whole lot to the actors to do. And um, I was just really impressed with how much we were able to pull. And I, like sometimes I like to reverse engineer. And I was thinking like, how do you write this scene on a page? <laughs> like, what, what does it actually look like when you say, uh, Isaac sits at the table and eats a chocolate bar and Nielsen watches him. Is that, is that what we have on the page here? Because it's, it's a riveting scene actually. And I just love also, um, this transformation of stakes. Um, we talk about this sometimes on the podcast when we talk about like Marvel films, that like, okay, it's bigger and bigger and like half the universe is wiped out and everything is always bigger and it's going to end life on earth. Yeah. But then you like reset to like, the stakes in this is Hawkeye wants to get home for Christmas. And it's like, oh, I kind of so like, nice. I like this sense of like small stakes can actually yeah. matter. And this everything in this is small stakes, um, particularly because like uh, the lead researcher literally doesn't seem to care at all. Like, like there's not even investment from the researchers. <laughs> it yeah. Funny. And you kind of want to know his story. Like why? Because <laughs> he clearly was like the head researcher. Yeah. And now he's, you know, so has he understood the the futility of this project in advance or something. Um, but uh, the director, he said something about how he set up the film. Do you mind if I would just read this paragraph? Oh, please go ahead. He said, I rarely do storyboards only for very complicated shots. And I don't do regular rehearsals. I don't do much directing either, <laughs> but I talk a lot to the actors and I plan it very carefully with the director of photography. So I know every shot. But I do it to be free. If there are better ideas coming from whoever is around me, I listen to them. And I made this, sometimes this floor plan from above so everyone knows what's going on. But I write out a shooting script. So, yeah, and really I, interesting. Think, I think when maybe the, the script itself is a vignette that's like, okay, there's there's tension over the tobacco. Like like he's missing tobacco and he tosses it down. I think there it would be nice as an actor like to have some freedom of like... Oh, like, what does it actually all look like? Like, how accepting am I of the tobacco that's just landed on the table? Or how long do I wait before I toss the tobacco down? Um, yeah. You know, choices like that. And to do it a few times, uh, I think that would just be, uh, you know, kind of like a, a, a fun challenge for an actor to try and like work through all of this. Yeah. And it's incredible to think of like how much the tone could change just an actor deciding like this beat will be, you know, this will be a beat longer than it was before. And mm-hmm. then in editing, they're like, okay, yeah, we'll take that. Or my yeah. looks gonna be just a little like I'm looking angry this time. Like that changes their relationship so much. If there's yeah. like real anger between them, like you scammed me by promising a real horse. Like, it, and I could see Isaac having that attitude, but he doesn't. Yeah. Like, like you don't feel it. Like he's frustrated, but he's not bitter. You know about this. Yeah, and Grant, you know, Grant is so pa- his face is so passive so much of the time, but he spends so much time looking into Isaac's house and watching them. Um. And you can see, like, you get so much emotion from him 
even though he's not, you know, yelling or, I don't know, raging. He just eventually sticks his trailer on the, dra- on the train tracks. <laughs> okay, maybe the thing that most felt like out of tone with the rest of the film <laughs> yeah. was that sequence. <laughs> and, and, but maybe it is trying to communicate that, like, yeah, these have all been like small stakes, but this really does matter. Yeah, <laughs> like, to Grant, yeah. Like this, this, this sense of loss of his friendship with Itzhak is destroying Grant's like sense of self, sense of identity, uh, his his sense of place. Yeah, uh, and when and when Grant eventually gets to go back into the house, it's just to find Itzhak dead. Oh, that was a heartbreaking scene. <sighs> yeah. Oh. I I was watching it with my wife, and I'm like, I think that man is dead. She's like, he can't be dead. They wouldn't kill him. And I'm like, I think he's dead. I'm like, like <laughs> he does not look like he's breathing. <laughs> and they talked about death a lot in this film. I know they kept saying death is inevitable, inevitable, and you're like, okay, well, I think you're trying to tell me something yeah. here. <laughs> no, like this is a theme that's been developed a, a few times, so uh, I'm not shocked. And um, though with that, I think it made it absolutely work there was enough ambiguity that you are asking yourself that and then the scene where the horse trailer pulls away and then you see the hearse there it's like, yeah oh okay because you you definitely had hope that he's asleep right yeah please be asleep because <laughs> we yeah and like then him. yeah and then nielsen it's so interesting right he he lives in his house now mm-hmm. um it's like it's so intimate like everything about yeah. this film is actually very intimate yeah uh, like even that scene like when he's getting out of the bath he's like listen to my like he leans in so close like <laughs> there's an intimacy there that feels so strange to, to like for us as viewers like to be yeah. watching uh in this moment and then like to move into the house again and, and like he wakes up in his bed like it, it's an in- interesting relationship that uh you know the, the i think as viewers there's we're just kind of like what what is happening in this in this yeah. strange kitchen research project <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Rachel, for suggesting this film. I was completely unaware of it, and I was just charmed from the like. I pulled up a trailer, and listeners, if you have a chance, I'd pull up the trailer because it has some of those shots I described about, like the ladder and the faces uh, in the window. Um, some of that's there, and you can just get a sense for the feel of uh, of this movie. Um, but that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great dueling genre shows, you can go to duelinggenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We'd like to thank Scott Toffee who composed our theme music. You can reach us by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. Or us on Twitter. You can follow at protagonistpod or at Jake And our producer, Andrew, is at his minute. And our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. We would also remind you of the Doodling Genre Discord channel, where you can see all or meet all the Doodling Genre uh, podcast hosts talking about their episodes. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. Thank you, Rachel. That was wonderful. Yeah, that was so fun. I'm glad that you enjoyed it.